Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori, and today we are so excited to sit down with our friend Kristen from Voyages of Herb and get to know her a little better and hear all about her unique business strategies in her reselling for her reselling business. Kristen is a full-time reseller with her husband, Kevin. They sell on various reselling platforms, including their own website, which is called Twice Our Cost, where all items listed are just what it sounds like, twice their cost. And they have started designing websites for fellow resellers who are looking to diversify their business. We can't wait for you to hear her story, how she got started, and where she sees her business headed in the future. Okay, thrifters, let's get started. Let's go. How's everyone doing today? Hi, Kristen. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I love podcasts. I love podcasting. Oh, yay. Good. <laughs> we do first, too. This is the first time that we're actually video chatting. We decided to all hop on video today. So that's fun. We get to see each other and yeah. interact that way, which is nice. Yeah, so, it's a fun view. Kristen, it's super nice to have you on here. I know I reached out to you recently and see if you, see if you wanted to do this. And we try to um, have one special guest on once a month on our podcast, and it just seemed logical to have you here. What an uh, honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a really, you know, unique brand, and I think it's important to highlight people in the community that are doing different things, um, and you are one of them. But before we get to any of that, I think it's important that we sit down and talk to everyone about how we've been handling the crisis that's been going on across the nation and all over the world um, and how it's been affecting all of us. So how have you guys been handling the whole COVID-19 situation? Gosh. Um, so for us, we decided to go on self-quarantine lockdown um, like a week ago, mm-hmm. which is incredibly challenging as a reseller because that means that we are unable to go and find new inventory in like the physical or traditional way. So going into thrift stores or outlet stores or consignment stores, the things that I'm doing every day suddenly just came to a screeching halt. Um, And so there's been obvious like, okay, how do we regroup? How do we reset this thing? And how do we, you know, it's so interesting because none of us have been through anything like this before in our lives. Like, you know, Kevin was talking, Kevin's my husband and he does this with me and he was talking to his dad and he's like, dad, what do we do? And his dad is well over 70 at this point and he just goes, um, I don't know. None of us have been through this. And it's just wild when even your parents are, you know, like <laughs> your yes. guess is as good as mine on how this is going to go. So yes. we're just trying to be like, we're trying to honor our communities and try to stay inside as best, best as we can outside of going to the grocery store, which means that we've had to like kind of pivot our business quite a bit and, um, you know, sourcing online and finding new means to get new inventory as well as seeing what we can do from home to serve other sellers that could also bring us in an income and doing that kind of work from home hustle. Have you found that your thrift stores are shutting down? Because here in Rhode Island, we officially have all thrift stores are shutting down this week. You know what? We went to the grocery store today um, and we've been doing that like, it's like the first time we've been out this week. We went to the grocery store to collect some stuff and um, Goodwill is still running and we were shocked. We had no idea that we just, I don't know, because we've been self-quarantined for a week and I feel like we're... um, we're not even being as careful as we should be. And to see people in goodwill, like really blew me away. Um, so 
to your answer your question, there have been like I know um, our like local consignment stores and like Plato's Closets. They're doing pickups, so you can they're selling things through their Instagram, and you can pick it up at the curbside, which is um, you know an option. That's <laughs> yeah, That's crazy. It's not what we like to do. Goodwill in Boston put out a, a notice on their Instagram. I think it was yesterday or two days ago that they've closed all the. It, all the Goodwills in Massachusetts. I don't know about Savers, Daniela. Are you guys closed in Savers Rhode Island? sent an email, yeah, yesterday that they're closing. It's just a yeah. matter of time. I think all of them will. It's just, we're hanging on a little bit longer, I guess, out here in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. Daniela, tell us a little bit about, I mean, your work, your nine to five is so related to what's going on. So if you want to share a little bit about what yeah. you do for a profession and you have been like crazy this yeah. week. Yeah, not 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 a nine to five anymore. It's like no, a, true, a, very true. Like an eight to midnight, you know, it really depends. I mean, I usually work eight thirty to to four, but now it's just been you know seven days a week. We're just going. So I work for the state, um, and I do work at the Department of Labor. So we have been inundated, obviously, with all the claims that have been coming in, whether it's temporary disability because we do have family paid leave here in Rhode Island, and we have um, temporary disability for those that are out that are quarantined or self quarantined. Then we also have unemployment insurance as well so we have quite a surplus of claims um you know i don't obviously want to disclose numbers and all that but there are qu quite a bit of claims that have come in and the manpower that goes behind it and we have a hotline um number as well and we just have people calling every hour every second i mean people are just they don't know what to do and yeah. we have a lot of people in rhode island that are self-employed and um that's where your heart you know really hurts because there's nothing we can do for them right now until the federal government takes over and basically initiates this um, program called the Disaster Unemployment Assistance Program. And this will be helpful for all of you that are listening as well. If the federal government were to enact this um, type of assistance, then anyone who is self-employed or 1099 would be able to then file for unemployment. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen. None of us know. So uh, we're getting a lot of phone calls from people that just don't qualify for anything and there's nothing we can do for them. So there's a it's lot. So and what's crazy, Daniela, for us is that we have two states that I feel like have been pretty hard hit mm -hmm. with COVID-19 and we are not like we do not have a state mandate to stay home. No. So it's still volunteer self-quarantining, which my family has been doing. Jay's office closed. He, he works in Boston and his office closed on Tuesday. Um, so it's just crazy. People have to get clearance to go into the office. Um, and, but he, his company, there are like 700 people at his office in Boston and they've closed. Um, and we're doing it by choice, but I can't believe it hasn't been state mandated yet in our area, but yeah, you know, I, I agree. All our neighboring States have been mandated to shut down and yet we're still open and I'm sure there's reasons mm -hmm. behind it, but I feel like we're at a point where people aren't listening around here. Um, I don't know if they're listening around where you guys are, uh, Kristen, but they're not really listening here. And there's some people that are staying home, but the majority of them are out at parks and zoos and like, what are you doing? Go home. You know, like, I don't think we could stress the importance of staying home anymore. Like you just have to stay home. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Well, anyways, hopefully the trajectory of just changes soon and we start, um, we start seeing some progress, but in the meantime, um, sales, how have, how have sales been for everybody? Mine have taken a pretty big hit. Yeah, <laughs> Danielle is doing a thumbs down because we're on video, but you <laughs> can't see that. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I had three sales. Now I have a full time job, so which 
you know, my job's yeah. going anywhere. So I'm employed yeah. right now and I have a paycheck coming in. So like Kristen, for you, for example, mm -hmm. this is your livelihood. Mm -hmm. How has yeah. reselling been for you this week? You know what? There have been a couple, um, a couple gems who have come through. I would say the sale, like the, the quantity of sales has gone down. But uh, yesterday we got a $500 bundle. Somebody's bundled a I whole I saw bunch that, of stuff, Kristen. That was awesome. Was exciting. Um, and then we also had another $120 bundle uh, right before that. So there's been um, some, and then I know like one of our followers and one of our friends, like she came in and just bought a bundle full price from us. And so just seeing like that there are people out there still supporting us. And um, I'm not sure how many of them are people who kind of know us or how many people are just random posh buyers. I'm not sure but we still have sales rolling in, which is really nice. That's um, really, really nice. And then twice our cost is going a little bit slower, but that's only because um, that, and I know we'll talk about kind of what we do there, but that is most reliant on us having brand new inventory pretty much every day. Uh, people want like the freshest, newest, best deals. And if people are staying home, um, they're really not. And a lot of what we sell are dresses and things like that. They're just not buying that um, as much right now. So I think that is more of a result of us not being able to go out sourcing, though. Sure. And the buyers not being there or readily available to. Well, that's great that you still are seeing some sales come in. That's excellent. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, there, the community has been great as far as supporting each other. I've seen a lot of people like running ads on YouTube videos for resellers and just people really coming together, which has been nice. Um, I think you know, in some cases, if we can get our hands on inventory or be creative in our homes, we're actually some of the lucky ones who already work from home and we can still list from home. Agree. You know, yeah. I feel pretty fortunate for that. And I guess my death pile is coming in handy these days. But um, yeah, for people who are super current, I, I think it might be a little bit more of a challenge, but it's definitely a time for us to be creative. And it's been really interesting to see what people are coming up with. Yeah, we not definitely agree more. Yeah, we definitely have things laying around the house that we can absolutely sell that's been sitting there for God knows how long. Even <laughs> household items, right? You can put them on eBay. There's different ways to create that stream of And interest. certain things may be more popular now. Like I had somebody um, working on a bundle right now and she put like IZOD lacrosse like lounge pants in and sweatpants. Like I think like comfort things are, are pretty good right now. And, and maybe like for people with hard goods, toys and things like that where they have kids mm -hmm. at home. So I think we'll see a spike in maybe not our typical items that we sell, but right. you know, people are shopping online right now. I mean, Amazon has just called in, had to hire so many more people just to keep up with their demand for online stuff. So, but because a lot of our stuff is pre-owned, I don't know if people are going to be super excited to be purchasing pre-owned items right now. Yeah. Yeah. There is definitely like a looming, there's a lot of misinformation being spread because this this is such a novel disease at this point but there's a lot of misinformation being spread around um how like how it gets how it gets transmitted you know and there's been no cases of it being transmitted through the mail whatsoever but right. i think there is still an element of like oh this is coming from a person's house versus what's the difference between that and this is coming from amazon where maybe the workers aren't getting to leave because they're not feeling well you know what i mean like what's the right difference? True, so if true. If you're comfortable buying online, there should be no reason why you wouldn't be comfortable buying from a seller. Um, and so, yeah, and it's just, it's not being tracked. I, I think the paranoia market. just spreads so quickly, you know, and, and people, I think a lot of people are um, reacting based on fear in some cases, you know. So anyway, so Kristen, tell us about your background and the journey that led you to reselling. 
Okay, yeah. So uh, start from the beginning. <laughs> I will start from the beginning. Uh, 2013, um, I was thrifting for myself. I love, I've always loved thrifting for myself. It's not something I grew up doing as a kid, but it's something as an adult. Um, after I got married, for some reason, it just seemed fun. Like the hunt of finding good deals just seemed like a fun thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would, I, you know, I was thrifting for myself and I would see designer pieces that weren't my size, but they were like, literally like the place I was going to at the time was doing like every other day was like day where it's like everything in the store was a dollar and I'd find designer clothing because they were consignments so there was that I was finding for a dollar and I was like it was like painful to walk away I'd be like oh my gosh um and so uh, I ended up one day just deciding, what if I just grabbed a couple of these, threw them on eBay at 99 cent auction, you know, and if it sells great, if not, I'm out a couple bucks, you know, I think I bought like 10 things for $10. So I was like, let's just see what happens. Um, and obviously at 99 cent auction with designer items, I made more than 99 cents and not even designer items, but even I think like I had J crew in there. Um, and just kind of those basic brands that people like too, but um, yeah, I was hooked after that. I was like, whoa, this is a way to actually make money. And at the time I had never heard of reselling. I didn't know any other resellers. I literally thought I stumbled upon this thing that, um, that no one else was doing. And obviously mm -hmm. I found out that this is something that is very much alive and well and growing, you know, it's grown year over year since then. And now we have these thriving communities on Instagram and on Facebook and um, we have like local get togethers of resellers. And I just think it's wild. And maybe those things always existed in some form back then, but it's fun to just be in my journey to see that progression through um, thinking I made up this way to make money. <laughs> <laughs> and at what point, Kristen, did you realize there was this whole big world out there? Like, when did you find the reselling community? Um, you know, I did it on my own for the first few years. Even Kevin was like totally uninterested. He was definitely the typical, like, I learned to source on my own because if I brought him with me, he would just sit on the corner and play on his phone and be like, or he'd like kind of follow me around and just be like, that's the worst. Are we done here? Are we done here? Uh -huh. And he tried to do it gently. And he always supported what I was doing, always supported it. Uh, but eventually it started to, to kind of, um, to grow and I got really burnt out on eBay I burnt out on eBay for a bit and so I took like a little hiatus but then I missed it and that's when I found Poshmark and I found Poshmark in 2017 and that's when I found the community for sure it gotcha. was Poshmark's community just is unbelievable compared to these other platforms and so that's how I found out oh there's other people like me doing this and um and then yeah it kind of grew from there and and what were you doing for work prior to reselling um, so I was actually, okay. So at that time I was working for an e-commerce, uh, site doing their customer support. I've been working home, like, uh, remotely my entire adult life. So that's awesome. it's, it's fit in really nicely with kind of what I've been doing. But, um, when I started, that's what I was doing. Um, actually like I started that job the same time I started reselling um and then from there I, since then I've worked in tech I've done project management I've done um content development and then in 2019 end of 2019 is when I got laid off of my startup job our startup company went under and um I went full-time so wow 
very yeah. diverse background, but all helpful into what you're doing today, which is yes, nice. How it all comes full circle, right? 100%. Every single aspect, like you wear so many hats as a reseller mm -hmm. and every aspect of that I've done in some capacity with a different job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find that too, even though I went to school to be a teacher and I'm teaching the visually impaired, reselling, I'm still using those same skills, which is crazy to me, but it all comes together. So I got my degree in education as well. I was a, yeah. I was a teacher for a hot minute. Um, and I can't even tell you how much that, like, even that has come in handy. Like I want to start making e-courses and I know how to build curriculum because of that. And so there's just, it felt like my life has been kind of like lining up for me to be able to work for myself and be able to put all these hats on when necessary. And right now, as we're facing this uh, pandemic, I can now put my teaching hat on and say, okay, now's the time to build courses. Or I can put on my, the hat of like learning how to build websites. And it's like, now it's time to do that and help other resellers build their own websites. And so I'm just, I'm just finding like all of the areas of my life that kind of led me to here to be able to successfully navigate such an uncertain time. That's awesome. And now Kevin went full-time the same time as you, or how did that work? Yeah. So Kevin's story was, uh, I mentioned that he had no interest in it. Right. 2017, I joined Poshmark. And shortly after that, it started growing to the point where I needed his help shipping. I needed his help um, sharing the closet, doing these kind of basic things. And like I said, he's always been supportive of me, but just never really had, like when I'm sourcing, he never had direction. He just was like, what am I doing here? I don't, what's the point <laughs> of me being here? Let's go. Um, and so as he became more like capable to like take on some of these areas of our business, um, he actually got laid off a few months before me, the similar situation. And um, I was like, why don't you help me full time? And then a few months later, I got laid off and I was like, why don't we both do this full time? That's uh, crazy. Yeah. So I think his big thing, like I have a passion for what we do. I love what we do. I love reselling. I love working with the community. Um, and I think for him, his motivation is more like I get to work for myself and with my wife and we really get a, like we're best friends. And so I think that's his motivation is how do I continue to, you know, work and do this with you. And he doesn't care what direction I take it in. He trusts that, but, um, does he source for you guys now or are you, yeah, yeah he does. Yep. Yeah, what is his all. specialty? He does, what he does, does he like to start? What's that? It's he a, he does, does a job. great job. Yeah. He does a great yep. job. So he does uh, really well with plus sizes. He always goes straight to the plus size because he's really has a keen eye for that and pants. I hate pants and we make a lot of money in pants. So he goes and does that and plus sizes, but he is one of those guys. Like it's so interesting. Um, like he gets a lot of more flack than I do. Like I can go in and I'm basically left alone. But if he's in going through dresses, for example, a very much like female dominated area, um, people will be more aggressive with him. They'll cut right in front of him when he's looking through stuff. And really? So, yeah. Huh. So he gets some anxiety, especially for going to, um, like a bigger store or one that with more aggressive people, like even like the bins or something like that. Um, and so he's like a little bit more anxious around it until he's there and then he gets in the groove and he's like, okay, it's okay. But, um, I feel for him. I, I couldn't imagine being sticking out that way yeah. and just having to be okay with that, you know? So how's the sourcing in Arizona? Let's talk about that. Cause I feel like your sourcing is amazing. It is. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. It is. We do have um, an outlet store over here that where Nordstrom Returns go, which is very popular among resellers and just the community at large. I mean, it's where, you know, Nordstrom's online returns. They don't go to a Nordstrom Rack. They go to this outlet and it's cheaper than Nordstrom Rack. And so um, the only issue there is there's lots of damaged items. And I can't even tell you how many times I've come home with a, an item that I thought 
was a score and, you know, it was damaged just like any other thrift store mm-hmm. or whatever. But, right. Um, I think our thrifting is pretty good. I think um, our consignment stores out this way, our buy, sell, trade stores out this way are really good. Um, it's just, I think just being in a big city in general is helpful whenever you live in a big city and we're pretty close to LA. So we're getting a lot of LA's finds this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and for reference, we're, did I say we're in Phoenix? I don't know if I've mentioned, but we're in like the Phoenix area. So well, we're getting a lot of like the, the LA finds this way and we do have quite a few like outlets and and really great consignment stores and things like that. So I love it, but sometimes Arizona sellers come to me and they're like, where are you finding this? (laughs) So there is like a little bit of like work you have to do to find the right places, but um, yeah, there's always work and you've been doing this since 2013. So you've put in the time and you know, you can move through stores faster and you know what you go to first and what you're good at. So that's great. You've put the time in. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people want that kind of easy answer, like, hey, give me the list of the places you go and when you go and all this stuff. And I don't really keep secrets. Like, I'm pretty, you guys know, I'm pretty open with mm-hmm. what I share. I'm pretty, like, transparent with our business model and all this stuff. But um, I just feel like there is an element of, like, I can't even begin to unload eight years of understanding when when to go to places. And, and you know, there's so much that is just always constantly circulating through my mind. And I think that sometimes it just takes time and putting in the leg work and finding these places yourself. Yeah. Sometimes people really want a simple answer and they're just no, there, there is no simple answer for what you did to build your business over the course of eight years. Right. You yeah. know, it's not I that really easy. I help like accelerate, but I can't give all the answers. You know, I just don't have, there's just so much, you know, like there's just right. so much always spinning through my head all the time. And I try to give as much as I can, but But then there's also those small pieces you keep for yourself because at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. this is your business as well and you need to be able to run it to make money to live. Yeah, yeah, true. All right, so let's talk about Twice Our Cost because this has been big for you guys. Yes. It has been huge. So why don't you tell, in case people don't know who you are and what you guys are about, why don't you explain how you came up with the idea of Twice Our Cost and where it kind of went from there? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I am very much the kind of person who's always exploring new things. Um, I have ideas all the time. I like keep myself up at night, just thinking like, what if I tried this? What if I tried this? And I sometimes will try things, implement them and they don't work and it's okay. I go back to the drawing board. I'm very much okay with failure. I'm very much okay with, um, trying something that doesn't necessarily work out the way I want it to. Um, and I'm just, I'm okay with that. And so what I thought one day was I need, capital right now. I need money right now. And I has, I was going, uh, leaving a place I was sourcing and I was looking at my cart and I was like, gosh, like what if I could just flip all this right now? And what if I could flip it for like, I know I'm going to pay like $300 right now. What if like today I could flip this and make $300 by doubling like how much I paid for each item, you know, kind of this transparent, business model. And I knew that even at double the price of everything I paid, it would still be an amazing deal for people versus lifting on a more traditional platform like Poshmark and maybe marking it up four times as much, but having to wait for that right buyer. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was looking at that, I was like, okay, well, I'll do a live video on Instagram and I will auction these or, you know, sell these off one at a time. Um, And it was wild. It was so crazy. I think we had like a couple hundred people on that live video, um, which is crazy because like, I I remember it, I was on there. (laughs) If I put on a live video right now, I might get like 30. I don't know. Like, I just, I don't believe that. (laughs) It's just wild. Like how people just came out of the woodwork of like this kind of this idea of, oh, she doesn't care about 
like getting the market value for this item. And so because most items are under market value, and for those who can't see, I'm putting this in like air quotes, market value. <laughs> like every item has like a market value, the brand, the style, the condition, all of these add up to what the item is worth. And if I'm just doubling what I paid for it, I paid very little for it. So that's under market value and that's really enticing to people. Mm -hmm. So um, I did a couple live videos and I mostly sold out. I know one of them I definitely sold out and I think on another two, I mostly sold out of everything, but it was vicious. Like it was like, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, I uh, but the way that live videos work is the internet does not always work in your favor. And so what was right. happening is people were, in order to claim the item, you had to like write the number of the item, which I'd be like, okay, the item number for this is this number. And people had to write it in. And the first one who did it would get the item and win it. And um, what was happening is people were writing it in and on their phones, it would show a different order of winners than our phones were showing. Right. And so we had to like lay down, like, we're like, listen, we're not bad guys. We're not favoring anyone. We're not doing anything, but we have to just go by what our phone was saying. You know, and people were, you know, fighting over this person wrote the wrong number. They were off by a number. Like it was just like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like, I felt crazy. like we had to keep being the bad guys in that. And so I, I took a break cause it was just a lot. And the invoices afterwards were a lot. And my anxiety over having to be the bad guy was like up here. Uh, and, and so I laid off it for like a month and I was like, but there's still something to that. People were buying at twice our cost. Right. And I want to explore that more, but I don't want to go on live video anymore doing it. It's, it's the invoicing afterwards is too intense. The energy just drains me at the end of it. Um, and so I decided, I was like, I will, what if I just put up like a very, like like a lightweight super simple website up that has these items for twice what we paid for them because if right. we have our own website the fees are nominal versus you know Poshmark or eBay or anywhere else so right. I figured if I can just put it on my own site then the, I'm not going to have to worry about that 20% fee and having to you know deal with that too so we did that and um we had like a, like a small group that shopped at first that I could work with. And a big part of when you try something new is making sure that you start lightweight, start in a way where you're not getting in over your head. I wanted to make sure that it was going to work, that, um, that I could figure out kind of all the logistics to it with this kind of small uh, group of people. And it worked and I launched it and it was successful. And so for the first couple of months, I was doing weekly uh, hauls where throughout the week I would list items on the site, but it was on private. And then once a week for 24 hours, I would lift the password protection and people could shop. Um, and I did that for a while uh, and decided that I wanted to launch it full time and just list every time I get a new haul in, we would just list on twice our cost. Um, and we would be able to get capital instantly versus having to wait for it. And it was very much the approach of the fast nickel and slow dime. We see Poshmark and other platforms as the slow dime. We're happy to sit on things a little bit longer. Um, and then twice our cost is very much like, let's see if we can flip this today um, and have that money today to be able to reinvest in our business. So, Oh my gosh, I have so many questions. I know, right? <laughs> I want to do this right now. Like I want to do the same thing. Yeah, it's just, it's such you a can. phenomenal business model. I and I think that, I think that anytime you have a win-win, 
I mean, that's when it's gold, right? Because you were doubling your money, your buyers were getting a good deal. It was, it was just so exciting. My thought is so, cause I haven't, I haven't seen any of your lives. I, I follow you on Instagram, but I haven't followed you closely on twice our cost like Daniela has, but I'm curious when you source, um, is there ever a time that you're like, well, when you go by market value, are you tempted to put it on Poshmark instead? Or do yeah. you like in the moment, like if you buy 10 items, do you say, well, these are for twice our cost and this is for Poshmark? Yeah, I'm very much liberal with what goes on twice our cost. So, um, but there are like a handful of items where I'll be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, like if you <laughs> like, find a pair of tees for this, $5, you're not going like, to sell them for 10. Like I bought this, I guess it doesn't matter because people can't see it, but I bought this uh, Acris top for, and it's so cute and it was $5. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, this is like a very high end luxury brand. And I'm like, no, this is going to go on Poshmark. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I, don't but I, but I do that occasionally. I don't do that all the time. So like, yeah. like if I bring home 10 items, I might have one or two that go to Poshmark, but I liberally put most of them on twice their cost because even Honestly, there are times where I'm like, this is too nice. I'm going to put this on Poshmark and I'm still sitting on it. And now I'm like, this was months ago. And now I'm like, I would have rather had that 15 bucks, you know, three months ago that I could have reinvested three months ago versus waiting for a hundred dollars. And I'm still That's waiting. True. That's true. And I think sometimes if you don't allow yourself to get emotionally attached to pieces <laughs> and you just look at it as a number it's like easier to let go into 100%. And that's right? a huge Be because sometimes you can get really caught up in like what you think it should go for. And then a year later, you're like, I should have taken those five offers. Mm -hmm. 100%. <laughs> yes. It has been a huge process of letting go. It's also been a process, like it's been an, uh, like an emotional journey in a bit, in a sense. And I know that sounds like a little extreme, but you know, looking at these pieces where I'm like, I know what the market value of you is. I know what you're worth, but it's like, but I want somebody to have a great deal on this and I want to let this go. So it's been a process of letting go, letting go of expectations of what I think things are worth, what I think I can get out of them. Um, and really uh, like being okay with, for example, like I sold a swimsuit the other day for, I think she paid 14 for it. And then she, like within a day of getting it home, she was able to flip it on Poshmark for 65. And it's, it's being okay with that. And not only being okay with that, but like being excited about that. Yeah. And like saying like, I had that money to reinvest immediately. And she was able to also support her, especially during right now. I mean, she, I think she tagged me like yesterday or the day before. And it's like, I got to support her too. Um, that's so, so yeah, nice. I, and that's I, where the win-win comes in again too, you know, like yeah. you're, you're spreading the love there. I like that so much. Yeah, it definitely feels like a win-win. And um, yeah, like there's money being left on the table, but I, you know, as full-time sellers, capital is everything. And one of the biggest dangers for resellers is sitting on inventory too long. It's, yep. it's if you ever look at your um, like inventory report, if you like go and you put in your cost for everything and you download your inventory report, in, inventory report like, I, I'm sure, I mean, we have thousands of dollars caught up on Poshmark right now that mm -hmm. haven't moved, you know, right, and right. that is, that is dangerous for sellers to get too attached, too close to it and hold on to it for too long. If it's something, I mean, if this is like a side hobby or something you're doing for fun, like do you, but if you're looking to really like make this a business where you are being agile and you're moving quickly and you're growing, that is definitely something to be looking at is how do we make sure we're flipping quickly? Um, but also, like I said, we do have some slow dime pieces where I'm like, I'll sit on this for a while. I don't mind. Um, so, yeah. 
Do you ever and, send items to like the real real or thread up or anything like that? Or do you just keep those items that you know that you can sell? I have used thread up um, to like, I've done it a few times and I've had like mixed results with it. But the only issue is that you have to send it off. And I like having my stuff here and I like being able, I'd rather cross it on multiple platforms like Poshmark and eBay and Macari or whatever, TradeZ. Um, I actually haven't used Macari. That's one of the only ones I haven't used, but I'd rather do that and have it on multiple platforms than like leave it out of like, let it go and go to someone else. And then they're holding on to it for three months. And I believe ThreadUp just announced that they're extending their returns for 45 days. So oh, like no. just thinking through how long your money is tied up with something yeah. like that, it kind of, it's a long time. So I think I would only use those moving forward for, Hey, I don't know what to do with these. I'd rather send it into ThreadUp than donate it. You know what I mean? The right. Where I'm just like, okay, let's, but some people have great re results on it. It's just not one that I've invested a lot of time on. And it's very much opposite of what you do. I mean, if you're looking to make fast sales immediately, yeah. those sites are just the opposite, you know? So it's just a different model. The idea of a fast sale intrigues me and has for a long time. Like, I don't like sitting on things longer than 30 days. Like, I need it to move. Even though this is my side hustle, I treat it as it's a full-time business. I don't want to keep it. It needs to get out. It needs to move. I got to make 100%. my money. Like that's the way I see it. So like in my head, I envision myself doing something similar to like a twice our cost, but I haven't fully formulated like what I want it to look like, what that will entail for me, you know, but it's, it's definitely something that I've been thinking about for the last few months. Well, and if you look at any other, like a buy sell trade store, for example, I'm going to use Buffalo exchange as my example, because it's a half mile away from us and I'm there all the time. But the way that they set up their, like they have things out in 90 days because so what happens is you, they get a new item in, that item stays for at least one full month, sometimes up to two months. And then at the beginning of each month, they mark, they do a new series of markdowns. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on January 1st, everything from November is marked down. And on February 1st, everything from December is marked down. Right. And um, I think that that's, and then it, and it escalates through the, uh, the month. So it goes 25% on the first, and then it goes up to 50% on the 15th. So, you know, I'm also looking at what other businesses like mine are doing. I know they're not resellers, but they have secondhand clothing that they're trying to sell and flip fast. And this episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Um, just looking at other business, businesses that are like mine, um, maybe not exactly like they're not resellers, but they're moving secondhand clothing just like I am and they're successful and they've been in business. Buffalo Exchange has been in business for decades mm -hmm. um, and they're, they have a model. And so I'm looking for inspiration at those different businesses to maybe see how can I map this to what I'm doing? How can I find inspiration and in how they're moving clothing and how they're looking at it? Cause I don't, I don't want to sit on things for a year. Like I really don't, I have no interest in that. Um, and so 
we're looking at now how do we layer moving items even on twice our cost that haven't moved how do we how do we move those items so do you um, remove the items from twice our cost and then put them on poshmark or is it only certain items that you do that too like what's your process with that um so kevin has been the one cross listing and we're still figuring that out he's just been leaving them on twice our cost and moving them over to poshmark at an increased price uh but we're still like exploring how do these coexist together there really mm -hmm. isn't i know i've gotten a lot of questions around like how do you know what goes to poshmark or twice our cost or how are you cross-listing things how are you and we're still we still don't really know a lot of it's just gut uh but we're gonna get there especially right now that we're kind of forced to yeah, <laughs> be home right. and think about our processes and now's the time to be dealing with that and and getting that all streamlined yeah. so. a lot of it's just trial and error i mean i recently had an experience for the first time where i've been working with a lot of consignment stores i might have mentioned this in our podcast last week but i had a group of sweaters that the consignment stores weren't taking um, because of the season change but then i wasn't really excited to list them on poshmark or sell them on ebay i was just kind of done with them so i went on youtube and at the end of a haul i said i have like 10 or 12 sweaters that i'm going to sell for just 15 dollars shipped like, because I figured even if a consignment store took them, I might have gotten like a three or $4 payout. So even with shipping, if shipping was half of what I paid, which in a couple instances it was, I would still be making about seven fifty per sweater. Yep. So I went, I think I had 12 sweaters and 10 of them sold in like three days. And I was shocked um, by the response from people and like certain sweaters, like you were saying about instagram i got several dms on like one sweater and who's came in first and then i was messaging people back and then posting on youtube in my description this item is reserved now this item is sold and i'm like this is just crazy like it was hard it's hard to keep track of so now i did it again with handbags the other day a little you know one step wiser because i had done it once before and um you know i'm writing down as the dms come in because i'm trying to keep track of them and they're in between all my other direct messages on instagram <laughs> which is why i feel like i need a different system and this was very small scale so with with brands that weren't exciting you know like typical exciting brands so i can't imagine the influx of messages you must have had when you started that but there is it is nice to have that um that alternate way to sell things that might otherwise sit there, which kind of leads me to the next thing is your, um, do, do you have any other things to say about twice our cost? No, not unless you guys had any other questions about it. It's, it's so simple. I mean, it's so, it's just transparent. It's simple. It's, you know, just getting people excited to get items that like you mentioned, um, that we're not emotionally attached to We have no attachment to what that market value needs to be. So I have one question in terms of shipping kristen how do you guys figure that into your cost um so we just charge the buyer for shipping based on the weight so um the weight of the products are inputted when we list the item and then shopify which is the platform we use for our website it just adds all, all the weights of the order up and it populates what the buyer needs to pay for it and we generally it's not a perfect system um some orders will like make a dollar on shipping some orders will lose a dollar on shipping right Sometimes couple dollars each way but it typically balances out at the end of the day um because there's just a lot of logistics and shipping there's you know where do they live um and how far are they or are they more rural or in the city like that and that impacts how much it's going to cost and then you know the weight of the item and what kind of box does it need to go in and is it cheaper flat rate or is it cheaper going on it totally it's, yep. it's a lot but we are very much trying to stay on top of uh, making sure that when we 
when we ship for a day that uh, that we come out within a dollar or two uh, at the end of it. So, yeah. Cool. Do you ever use pirate ship? Um, I haven't used pirate ship. We use ShipStation, uh, but I've heard of it and I've heard it's great. We do get discounts uh, with ShipStation, which is nice. And I'm not sure how big of a difference it would be between that and pirate ship, but it's something I wanted to explore as well as an option. Interesting. Yeah, because one of the sweaters I sent to Texas, I sent two and it cost $15.75 to ship the two sweaters. But I mean, it was a a $30 sale and she just happened to get two of the heaviest sweaters. Um, But (laughs) because why not? (laughs) And it was in Texas. You know, if I was shipping it to you in Rhode Island, Daniela, it would cost you nothing. I'll just drive you. That'd be cheaper. (laughs) That would be cheaper. Like even like there, you could have something that's pretty lightweight but it's it takes up a lot of space like a sweater for example like you could there's so many like details and shipping that people don't even realize and like it is not uncommon for something to cost $15 to ship and so I think people see like Poshmark's shipping is amazing like anybody complains that the $7 and is $7.49 or $7.11 anybody who complains about that like I get that it's a lot for like shipping like a t-shirt but Honestly, it's just, if I could, if I could trade out what I currently do with twice our cost shipping for Poshmark I, in a second. In a second. <laughs> but then you look in at fact, other platforms too, like the railroad, for example, because I've bought stuff on there. Their shipping's like 11, 12 bucks. And I bought yeah. a wallet and it cost a yeah. ton to ship a wallet. Like I've been, I've been shopping on Goodwill's, like on Goodwill's like online store. And I've seen up to $15 to ship a t-shirt. Like that's crazy. You have like four dollars handling, and then another, and it's just wild. Like it's so yeah. wild. So it I, is a we, great fact. In, in fact, this week when I did the handbags, knowing they were going to be so heavy, I had like leather messenger bags. I've I said on YouTube like I'm probably going to end up just listing it on Poshmark after we agree on a price because then you're only going to pay seven dollars for shipping. So <laughs> I would rather take the twenty percent than like deal with the shipping because it it was just crazy when I did it for the sweaters. Yeah. So, so tell us about your web design. I'm very curious about this. Yes. Uh, okay. So when, so I taught myself um, how to create websites when I started Twice Our Cost. Um, I did do some like website design in my past lives <laughs> of working, but I had never worked with Shopify, which is 100% if you're going to run um, an e-commerce business and specifically with reselling, the way that they have it set up is so dynamic. It's so easy to use once your website is set up. Like to list is so easy. It looks just like Poshmark or maybe a little bit more complex than Poshmark, but not by much. And um, it's just a beautiful system. They have analytics. They have a live dashboard where you can see if somebody's on your site right now, like what location are they in? Um, It's a really cool experience to use Shopify. And so I taught myself Shopify back in November, which is when we started twice our cost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized I was like, whoa, like once the site is set up, like it's pretty easy to use. And I think people feel very intimidated by the idea of running their own website. And I mean, rightfully so, there is like a lot of, um, there's some challenges in it, especially if you don't love marketing, it's probably not a good fit. If you don't love the idea of bringing in your own traffic and your own customers and having that challenge, then it's probably not a good fit. If you don't wanna deal with customer service, 
probably not a good fit. But for those <laughs> who are like, listen, I want to own my, my brand. I want to bring in my own customers. I want full capabilities to send out discount codes to people, to run sales, to want, like, it's just such a dynamic experience versus you have limitations on other platforms like mm -hmm. Poshmark, eBay, and so forth. You have limitations. You can only do what their system allows you to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas Shopify is like kind of this huge sandbox where you can play it with it and do whatever you want with it. You can, you know, reduce prices in mass. You can run a sale. You can do discount codes. You can do email marketing. You can do, if you've seen on Instagram, you can do tap to shop, which is basically if you see a post on Instagram, it'll like literally link the product on your Instagram. Uh, and so you can do all these things that you cannot, you're collecting email addresses, which you can't do on other platforms and, and so forth. So um, I think for me, I was really intimidated for a long time thinking if I set up a website, it's gonna be very difficult for me to manage. It's gonna be difficult for me to learn how to do. Um, and I have found that it is much easier and more user-friendly than I ever imagined. And so what I decided was um, a couple months back that I would start making custom websites for other resellers who just don't want to create the website, but who do want their own website. Uh, and so I would create these websites based on branding, based on preferences, based on do you want a blog, do you want these different aspects of, a, of your site. And then decided this week <laughs> with, with this outbreak happening, decided, whoa, like, I need to figure out how to make money while being at home because I don't want to be outsourcing. I don't want to be out um, in public right now. And right now is the time where a lot of people are home and they have the time to learn these new things. Like I can learn a new platform. I can learn a new way of selling. I want to build a brand. And so I thought this would be a really good opportunity to launch a very basic version of the website design that we've been doing. Um, and as of right now, as of filming right now, it's a hundred bucks or it's $99 um, to just get your own custom site. And you have all the functionality we do with twice our cost. Um, and it follows like a specific format. So it makes it simple for us to get it out the door. Um, but we still offer like the more customized, like if you want tons of customizations or more customizations to your website, we can do that too. Um, but anyway, it's just been a really great way for us to um, help the reselling community First of all, during this time where people are home and they have the time to learn, they have the time to be able to do these things. And then um, also just allows us to be at home because I, we got to figure it out. We're pivoting a little right. bit and we want to offer some of these resources to sellers. So I noticed the other day you did, you got five orders in one day. That was so exciting. Yeah, it was uh, over the course of the week, but uh, yeah, it was, we had five, five plus one custom one, our first week of like launching the simple sites, which was really, really nice for us. Cause we're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do right now. And so it's really, really special that people are supporting us in this way. I feel like, again, it's one of those win-wins where people know they're supporting us in a real tangible way because we're working for ourselves. And at the same time, we know that we're supporting somebody and exploring a new avenue to sell that could become much bigger than if they were to limit themselves on platforms. And not everybody wants their own site. Like not everybody loves marketing. Not everybody wants to do customer service. A lot of people just want to buy the item, flip the item and make that the transaction. And that's totally fine. But for those who kind of have that itch of like, what would it look like if I could like start building a brand around this and, and start building a comprehensive business that, that is my own in every aspect, you know? Right, like really cutting out that middleman, right? Yeah. Not having the Poshmark, not having the eBay, not paying fees to anyone, and and just it's yours. Yeah. You own that, and I love that idea of it. And Lori and I have talked about this too. Like, we would love to have a website 
for Thrifters Villa at some point and offering different things to our listeners. And, you know, Lori's thinking about doing a website. I've thought about it. Like, this is just the way we're evolving and changing. And I love that. Yeah. And a lot of people are using things like, uh, what is it? Linktree where, yeah. you know, the, in your bio, you can have like yep. Linktree, but a big thing we've been running off of too, is we just think that, um, even if it's not a full website, I think everyone in their link in their bio on Instagram or wherever they're putting like on their business cards or whatever, I think that link should always be your brand's name mm-hmm. versus like, so your own domain name. So for us, okay. it's verb.com or, um, twiceourcost.com. Those are our like domain names, but you can also get a domain name and just link that domain name to your Poshmark closet. And it still elevates your brand in a way that allows you to say, this is mine, even if it's linking to Poshmark, because if you're, if your links in your business card is a Poshmark link, that doesn't lend a ton of credibility to your brand. That's um, very true. So, so even, and it's like 12 bucks to get a domain name on GoDaddy. It's so easy. We have a YouTube video for how to do it, but um, just like, I really want to press into people. If you're building your brand, there are simple ways that you can just start getting your name out there and making your name the priority versus other platforms that you're using. I love that idea and I want to do it. I'm going to do it as soon as we hang up. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I am going to create Ivy and Blush as a URL. It's going to be mine. I'm going to own it. That's what's going to happen. You got to own it. You got to own your own domain name. I think if you go to godaddy.com, you can literally get your domain name. It's it's around 12 bucks for your first year. And I think like around 17 for every year after that. But oh, hey. Wow. I have a phone call. But today is just filled oh with gosh. fun. It's a fun day. Um, <laughs> but it's just so low cost to just have your own brand. It's 12 bucks. And you can just have your own brand. <laughs> a while back, I had a blog called Tata for Now. My last name is Tata. Well, I mean, you can say it either way. We've kind of Americanized it, but it's T-A-T-A. So I had a blog called tataforNow.com. So I had that for a while um, prior to reselling with just, you know, bloggy stuff, dogs. I, I did do like um, furniture restoration on there. And my, my cousin's wife is a graphic designer. And she did the site for me before I had any money or any footing. And it was like $500 to have her set that up. And she was family. It wasn't even a bad price. You know what I mean? So 500 is offered, a good price. Yeah. It is a good <laughs> price. I see that. So like what you're offering is really amazing. And so I, I'm, I'm just super excited to get started with you. And I have felt like, um, like I need a home base more than ever. And I think that's what that will do. And I, it took me like a year to come up with Lori's Boston found. Um, I was just doing this as Lori Tata for a very long time. So once I finally felt like that was me and that was my brand, I'm, I'm very excited at the possibilities now. Like Daniela has always been Ivy and blush and she knows it and loves it, but it took me a while to get comfortable with what my name was going to be. But once I got it, now I'm like, all right, let's slap that everywhere. So yeah. wait, I have a question, Kristen. Voyage is a verb. Why? <laughs> Why? Where that name came from? Come from? Yeah. Um, so I, similar, I had my first and last name as my Poshmark closet. I wasn't like planning. I just wanted to flip clothes. Like I wasn't planning on like branding or anything like that. Um, but eventually it was like, okay, like, I do want to scale this. I don't want my first and last name to be everywhere. <laughs> like nice. as my brand, I get that we're like the face of our brands. We are our brands really, but um, I wanted to have like one that could extend a little bit farther than that, obviously. Um, so I, I honestly can't tell you how my brain got to it, but I could tell you why I settled on it and why I love it. Um, and that's because 
so much of our platform is taking action. You cannot have adventures. You cannot explore new things. You cannot have a good time in this life if you don't take action for it um, and really chase after it. And the name Voyage is a Verb is like basically uh, to live, to adventure, to have voyages is to take action. So it is a verb. Um, obviously, voyage is also a noun, but. <laughs> no, let's that's not get technical. I got it like voyage, like verb is like the journey. It's the actual yeah, movement it, of it, the voyage. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's and not I stagnant. And, and just like kind of a tip for anybody out there looking to rebrand or looking for um, ways to develop their name. A lot of people I think are in this boat of like, they feel, they feel stuck. They're like, I can't, I didn't start an Instagram for like six months because I didn't have a name that I liked. So I was like, I guess I just won't start an Instagram for a while. And so, you know, I could have started six months earlier had I come up with a name I wanted. So one thing I want to say is just like get, if you want to start this, like just get something out there, like start your Instagram with like Kristen sells used clothes. Like I don't, it doesn't matter. Just get it started. Yep. Um, and you can always circle back and rebrand. But if you're looking at rebranding using a term, like I really like voyage as a verb because I think it is, it can explore different avenues. That's not just selling. So anybody mm -hmm. who might want to grow may want to think against using uh, like Poshmark in their name or, um, even like even reselling or even clothing, anything like that, those things may limit you in the future if you want to expand past that. So like Kevin and I are offering like services, like websites and things like that. And um, I really like that our name, Voyage is a Verb, really lends itself well to any direction we want to take our business. Um, so that's just something that I, I think. It's a very cool name, Kristen. It Thank is. You. That's very cool. I love it. <laughs> I do too. It's really, it's really, I think in retrospect, I look back on it and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I chose something that, that wasn't limiting to what we mm -hmm. can do. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So and I feel I, like it suits you. Like, I don't, I does. don't know you so well yet, but I mean, I feel like it really suits your personality. It's <laughs> a really great it. point too, is making sure that your brand name really feels like accurate to who you are and what you mm -hmm. want to bring into the world. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you. So I, we have another question for you here, Kristen. And well, there's like three parts to this question. The first part of it is, do you see yourself shifting more on this website side of things? Do you see yourself staying on Poshmark? Like, where do you see yourself going? And then to piggyback off of that, do you feel like you have a certain aesthetic or curated closet of some sort? And that might dictate where you stay and where you go? Mm-hmm. Um, great question. I feel like so much of it feels up in the air for us right now, just due to this pandemic. Um, I think I'm open to any direction that feels right for our business. Um, if we get an influx of people wanting websites and that takes precedent for a while, I'm happy to really push into that. Um, I also am wanting to continue to build our, um, the reselling side of things and potentially getting, um, like a buyer, for example, somebody who sources the way we do, or those are kind of dreams that I would have of like, how do we delegate aspects of the reselling side of things? Um, so that we can push into the, like, I love to teach. I got my degree in education. Um, it's something that I have a deep passion for. And so if I could even do things like, how do I create like even a, a course around how do we help resellers create their own websites, create their own brands, uh, learn how to market, learn how to do these different things. Like that would be really exciting to me. So I'm open to whatever direction we go in. If we are quarantined for significantly longer, mm -hmm. I may have no choice but to press into those areas um, mm -hmm. until further notice. But for now, I, I like the balance. I like 
there is an element, I will say this, there is an element of when I'm building websites, it does feel a little bit like I'm working for someone else. I want to make sure they're happy. I've, I'm open to questions. So for example, like Kevin, I take up off Saturdays and today's Sunday and I wanted to take today off, but I, as I was going to bed, I was like, too many people are relying on me to be able to respond to emails and people want help with their websites and things like that. So there's an element of like, working for other people in that whereas when i'm reselling especially on a different platform even working price or cost feels like i'm working for other people because i'm mm -hmm. trying to keep up with um like any kind of emails i'm getting through that and things like that whereas if i'm just on poshmark it's just you flip like it's a transaction yeah. and you right. completely are working on your own and you're not having to do a lot of those customer face-to-face -face interactions you know i think your business is definitely shifting like it's shifting before your your eyes in a lot of different ways. And it's kind of making you move in different directions and do things that maybe are a little uncomfortable or you're not, you haven't been used to in a while. And yeah. that's just part of growth, right? Like that's just how it goes. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's I a agree with that. Yeah. It is nice to have Poshmark as, as your cushion though. You know what I mean? To, to fall back on it. It's kind of like your steady Eddie. If you need to, to just, unplug it and, and disconnect a little bit you know if if everything else is getting to be too much it's you can kind of be a little faceless if you need to be on Poshmark and just you know do your thing put your head down and go you know so true and I think that's the benefit of these platforms I know I've been talking about kind of the benefits of having your own site but there's huge benefits in in platforms like Poshmark because they are doing the marketing for you they're bringing in the buyers to you and if there's a problem they open a case and they have an entire system for being able like you don't even have to respond to a case I feel like we don't even respond to a lot of our cases because I'm like it's not worth the fight I just kind of let it go I, I, I get the item back and I realist it with whatever flaw or whatever it is that the, the customer right. had mentioned was the problem so there is an element of like, I can literally just list items, ship items, list items, ship items like that. That could be my business on Poshmark. And that's, there's something really beautiful and, and easy about that, you know? Yeah. yeah. How, how are you handling returns on twice your cost? I, I went to your website and I saw like, we don't, mm -hmm. I, I love the way you worded it. It was basically like, you know, we don't support returns unless we've made a mistake or mm -hmm. something like that. Are you getting a lot of returns or how have your customers been? There's been a handful of, so we've made, I think, eight, a little, last time I checked, it was over 800 sales on there. Um, yeah. And so of those, I would say we might've had 10, maybe less. That's not bad. Um, not returns necessarily, but um, people come to me like with different, like different things. So somebody might say like, oh, there's like this little flaw on this, or they might say like, oh, this is like really damaged. And how I deal with that, it just kind of depends on the situation, how like much case the item case. was. And, and I will always make sure the customer's happy. So I want to start with that. I, it's definitely not like a, sorry, you're out of luck. It's just more right. like, do I send them a full refund? Do I ask them to send it back to me? Um, do I ask them if they would like to have it where maybe they pay our cost for it and I mm -hmm. refund half of it? Mm -hmm. um, so there's kind of options and I've done all three of those things just depending on case by case. I would say more often than not, I just give them the refund and just say, you know, if you can fix it, great. If you want to donate it, great. But I, a lot of times I don't want damaged items back and I don't want to pay the return. Like, cause I have to pay, like I have to pay for the, um, the shipping, the shipping back to me. The shipping so, back. Yeah. Okay. And so even then it's like, do I want to pay $8 to get a damaged item back, you know, and make the customer have to go through the process of returning it. So I do. It's not always worth it. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see that it's such a low percentage coming back. 
It is. It is. Um, and I had a really sweet message the other day. Somebody was just saying like, hey, I know things, this was like literally two days ago. And she was like, I know things are like tough for everyone right now. Um, but I want you to know that there were flaws on this dress. I do not want to return, but I just want you to know. And I, I sent her, I was like, I can't know that I sent the flaws, like a right. flaw item and not refund you. Uh, so I refunded her. And then she like PayPal'd me half of it back and said like, let's just put the cost. So I found that like people don't like, I have not, I don't ever feel like I've been taken advantage of during the process. I think people are super respectful and super honoring to the fact that it is, it's expensive running a small business. It's expensive getting returns back and having to deal with that. Whereas Poshmark, again, they pay for the returns. If you know, they have it all set up. So it's so easy for you as a seller to just, just, you know, breathe through it. It's really nice. It's nice. But it's a great question and I do want to make sure like I feel way more sensitive for twice our cost than I do Poshmark in terms of making customers happy. I want to make sure these people know me, they see me like, like we've probably had conversations in the past and I feel like there's an element of responsibility that I have on twice our cost that I don't feel the same way about Poshmark with. Absolutely. I feel that way anytime a buyer also watches me on YouTube or listens to the podcast when they'll say that in their offer, like, oh, I watch you or I listen Mm -hmm. to you. Then I'm always like, oh my gosh, I really want to make sure this goes well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I could Mm -hmm. not agree more. All right. What next? I feel like, gosh, we have a lot of other things here. Let's talk about organization because I think this is something that you want to talk about, Lori, because we know that Kristen has been using this new planner called the, uh, it's full focus planner, right, Kristen? Yep. That's it. And it's something I'm a passion planner girl, but I'm curious about this because they seem similar. Fashion planner is really fun. But anyways, I'm a, (laughs) I'm a planner nerd. So when I saw you guys doing this, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so inspired. They spent all day planning. (laughs) Yeah. So so tell me about it. The full focus planner. It's like this, this, it's a quarterly planner. So it's for three months. And what you do is at the beginning of your quarter, you get this planner and it like walks you through how to plan out your quarter ahead. Basically, like what are your main goals? Um, what do you, what do you want to accomplish? It teaches you how do you set a really good goal versus like a, like a goal that may be like unclear if you ever hit it, you know what I mean? They're called smart goals. If you guys have ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, we, Kevin and I took a whole day and we planned out like our entire quarter ahead. And I laugh now, a lot of it we're still able to move forward with, but I, this was a couple of weeks ago before oh, everything. Then everything all hell broke loose. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, I can survive the days and I'm happy. But, um, and the way it works is at the end of every night, Kevin and I get together and we look through our daily, they also have daily pages. And so you look through what are your big three things you want to accomplish that day? And then kind of what does your day look like? You can structure your day out. And then at the end of the night, Kevin and I will look back and say, okay, what did we accomplish? What didn't we accomplish? What do we need to do tomorrow? And we just move those things over to the next page if we have things we didn't accomplish. Uh, and so it's really allowing us, and we keep looking back, okay, what are, our, what are our goals for this quarter? And are we taking the necessary measures to move those goals forward so that at the end of the quarter, we will have been able to say we accomplished those things. So uh, it has been really, really nice, actually, given everything that's going on right now, to have some sense of normalcy, some sense of routine in our lives. Um, because otherwise I just think we would be running around like chickens with our heads cut off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's really I, nice. And I like the carryover, like whatever doesn't get done gets moved over and yeah. kind of helps you stay focused. Yeah, it does. And it allows you to like within the planner, it'll tell you 
was this task delegated to someone else? Was, are you waiting on somebody to be able to complete this task? And so they have different like um, little marks that you make next to it based on where that task is in the process. And like an arrow, like a right arrow tells you it needs to be moved to another day. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like I love seeing the check marks. Check means it's done. Um, but I'm giving myself grace because very, very few days do we have everything complete. It's, you have a top three that you gotta do and then the rest is like, I feel like we tend to do the top three and then the rest just gets like pushed yeah. over and over. Day. And over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My teacher brain is like super weeks. happy hearing all this. I'm like, ooh, organization and checklists and oh, I, like that's, I, that's my brain. I can't even help it. So yeah. I already looked at the planner and it's on my list of things that I want to buy so that I can do yeah. quarter two because quarter one has been a little crazy. <laughs> just mm. quarter. For sure. So quarter two, we start fresh. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. We all will. All right. All right. So I think so we we're... should move on. I think we should go to our segment, Lori. That's what I think. Yeah. We do. I think that's a great idea. It is Let's time for take it or leave it. We're trying to think of a jingle, Kristen. Yeah, we, we need we to have a jingle. jingle. <laughs> Kristen, read us a jingle. Uh, take it or leave it. <laughs> there we go. Sing us in. I like that. Okay. <laughs> So it's good on the spot. That's fun. Okay, so today for our Take It or Leave It segment, we are going over a handful of anthropology brands. So um, most of these are house brands. A couple of them are um, brands that they've carried in their store. Kristen, feel free to add any if there are some that we're missing, because I'm sure we're missing some. These were just off the top of my head, one we see all the time. So we're just going to say it, and then you're going to say take it or leave it or maybe or what your conditions would be and we'll try to get through it because this isn't a we could talk we could do take it or leave it for like 30 minutes but I know we've been yeah. going for a while so we'll try to move through them all right so number one Diletta uh, I leave Diletta that no. was actually one of the first uh well it's really funny is that when I started this in 2013 anthropology was like my number one like I was in it for anthropology like that's all I was looking for if it was an anthropology brand like my life was made and back in 2013 anthropology was everything I mean the yeah. early 2000 I don't know 2000 the teens I don't know everything so Diletta was like a huge one that I, every time I saw Diletta I was like yes and now <laughs> you do no. the happy dance yeah so leave it um Daniela I know your answer yeah it leave it most of these are going to be I'm going to leave it I'm totally. okay. is one of the cheaper house brands too. It's yeah. the tail on it's not very high. I feel yeah, like yeah. It's very basic. It's yeah. just a very basic. Um, it is basic. I re uh, recent when I say recently, I think like three months ago was the last time I picked up Diletta, and it was like a green like ruched dress in a size large that is in my own closet because when I I think I bought it at the bins and I got it home and the comps were so bad, but yeah. the dress was pretty cute and basic. So, and it was my size. So it's in my closet. So I don't even think I have a single Diletta in my closet right now. No, we definitely don't. Yeah. Okay. Number two, Maeve. Um, Maeve is one of my favorites, I would say. I well, like Maeve. I, mean, I like Maeve. I have a lot in my own collection of things that I wear, but um, it, like uh, embroidered or something with a little pizzazz I'll pick up. I'd say Maeve dresses. That's what I like to pick up. I like to pick up Maeve dresses and they sell well for me. Okay. I mean, and some of these, so it's so interesting because with house brands, some of them have been around for a long time. Some are newer. Um, and so it comes down to the style of it. So I'm not going to mm -hmm. pick up a Maeve piece that was from 2013, but I would pay, pick up a Maeve piece that was featured within the last few months, you know? So it's correct. 
it's that's one of those ones that have been around for a long time so it just has to be a style thing exactly i think a lot of these brands fall into that category and that's why sometimes daniela and i will say sure i'd pick it up at the bins but i wouldn't pay four dollars for it at savers you know what i mean something like that or value village or whatever okay so this is another house brand pilcro in the letterpress yes no <laughs> We yeah, don't get excited about any of them, Kristen. <laughs> no, I would pick it up if it's if it's high waist. If they're because yes. from leather presses jeans, so I'd pick it yep. up if it was high waisted. If it had like a little cool fringe or something at the bottom, if it's cropped at the bottom, um, I would not pick up low rise. I would not pick up mid rise, and I would not pick up um, any kind of full length pants. I wouldn't pick up corduroy. I wouldn't pick up pants. right. I've stopped picking up their colored pants. So yeah, yeah something something current, high-waisted, um, like Nothing exposed buttons or raw edge, but definitely a style thing. Their stuff sits, man. Yeah. Sits a long time. For I used sure. to get very, very excited to find it, but. Same. I used to love wearing it myself. <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty deeply discounted on their site too, but this is like the classic. If I try to do RA online for anthropology and it's Pilcro and it's like a pair of jeans that got marked down to 20 bucks and I put it in my closet and by the time I check out, it's gone. Does yeah. that happen to you all the time when you shop on anthro? It does to yeah. me. Yep. Same. Okay. Next yeah. one is postage stamp. I don't even know if that's exactly what it's called, but the little, the little it stamp. It looks like a little Postmark. stamp. Postmark. Postmark. Thank you, honey. No, I pass. Yeah, I pass too. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. Um, I've, I've had a couple pieces for more than six months. So once I hit that point, I stopped picking them up. Yep. Um, okay. So this is not, this is sold at Anthro and I happen to love this brand, but Rana Gill, that, that's its own brand, but yes, her stuff yes. is 100%. bomb. I love it. <laughs> I've never loved it. I've been a lot during this podcast. I'm just waiting for like, <laughs> yeah. What did I you love say, it. Kristen? I feel like I'm just saying 100%, like 100%, 100%. Yeah, <laughs> fine. I just agree with you a lot. So um, yeah, Rana Gill is amazing. I love I've it. never Gorgeous. found it. I'm waiting for the day to find it. Yeah. Waiting. Um. I, I sold a piece at the end of my um, February sale, buy one, get one. And then I found a jumpsuit. Uh, I want to say it has like palms on it or whatever. The comps weren't tremendous, but about 50 bucks. But I have an extra small, so I'm not sure if it will sell. But absolutely yeah. love that brand so much. Okay, Angel of the North, known for like their sweaters. Um, I would say mostly past because I usually find them in pretty poor condition and it's I think an older brand I don't know if it's still being made right now. So I haven't picked it up in a long time Okay, Daniela, I've picked up two sweaters this past season and they both sold in a bundle. So oh, good. Maybe I think it just depends on the style of it at the end of the day. It's really what it comes down to yeah, I actually like their stuff. I like their sweaters. Um, I feel like they are super beat up a lot of the time, a lot of pills, a lot of snags. So for that, I would leave them behind. But I feel like I've done okay with Angel of the North. Sometimes Danielle and I will open up and we'll see like the percentage that have sold. I'm so I'm not looking in my post in my um Poshmark closet right now, but um I kinda like them. Yeah, I'm not picking them up right now because of the season, unless it was really something that spoke to me. But okay, moving on, tiny. I've only picked up one sweater by Tiny and it's sold in a bundle. So I can't really, I feel like it doesn't excite me too much. So if yeah. I find it, I find it. If not, meh, whatever. It's also, I think it's an older one. I don't know if there's that older too. Thing. See, I'm, I picked some old ones. 
I've never picked it up. My friend Raffaella, who's the bins queen, um, she had a tiny top that I liked and she sent it to me as like a little, just like a sweet gesture. Um, and I think it's still in my closet. It was a little tight for me. And so I listed it and it hasn't moved. So, so Kristen, give us, give us a few like more current anthropology brands. What's that? Give us some more current anthropology brands then. Well, what are like um, the top three that you I think people look for? I think is a big one. It's which, got which? like a Kimmy and Ken. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I love them. They sell. Yeah. Yeah. That one does well. Um, I'm trying to think. I haven't been in anthropology in so long. I feel like my focus with anthropology has been more like, I love finding brands that are sold at anthropology, but are also sold elsewhere. Mm. So there's, they do a lot of those like uh, Faithful the Brand, for example, that's a big Revolve brand, but anthropo uh, anthropology also carries it. And so <laughs> I like finding brands where um, maybe like Shopbop carries it and Revolve carries it. And then you can sprinkle in those words in your description as, hey, this is a brand carried at Anthropology, Revolve, Shopbop, and you're able to do that. Um, in terms of house brands, I know like Maeve is definitely still uh, hanging in there. I'm trying to think of what. what Virginia and Vanessa, I do pretty well with. Oh, yeah, Decent. yeah. And there's also now just like the Anthropology says, like buy Anthropology. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty well. Um, I kind of feel like current, I feel like Revolve has taken the place of anthropology. I think right now people get like yeah. super excited when they find a Revolve brand. And I think it's, it's akin to the feeling you used to get with anthropology five years ago. Yep. And I know, okay. So like, I think there's also like uh Moulinette Sours, Sours. Oh yeah. That's oh, their yeah, like dresses. Yeah. Those do okay. Those do pretty well. Uh, because those are not cheap. I mean, they're mm -hmm. dressing up one full price like a few years back and it was like 150 bucks or something. Yeah. Um, I definitely cheap. feel like anthropology dresses or like more of that like flowy look or that's what I feel like does a lot better than their basic like jean sweaters, t-shirts kind of thing. Yeah. I think anything flowy with embroidery, anything. I mean, I think they're known for some of their interesting patterns and the way they mix fabrics and you know anything that's heavily decorated I feel like does pretty well yeah, yeah. most of my work clothes are anthropology say that again Kristen <laughs> I was just saying I feel like the house brands don't do as well as the brands that have yeah. more recognition at other stores as well especially online because you have the opportunity to be able to use those or um those other ones in your like description and those get caught with a search, you know? Right, um, right. So I, just, I, I just find that the brands who are in Moore's, who are in all the they're doing better than the, the house brands. Right. Yep. I would agree. All right. Well, I think that wraps that segment up this week. Do we yeah. have anything else, Kristen? Do you have any questions for us, Kristen? Or is there anything, Daniela, you, that I missed for Kristen today? No, oh, I think Kristen did a great job answering everything. I think this is going to be super informative for people too, to just hear a different perspective of reselling and hearing what someone else has been doing this for a long time and how they're evolving and how they're changing their business models and that, you know, this is endless options when it comes to this and they don't have to stay stagnant in one place. And I think it's great to hear that from someone who has the experience and that's doing it. Yeah, I yes, think because one of the things we like to talk about on here is, you know, what entrepreneurs do and not just resellers. And I think you really tap into that entrepreneur. And I think it's really wonderful for our listeners to hear your experience. Yeah, um, I think that the one thing I want to like just impress on people, anyone listening, was is that like you are empowered to create, sure, 
and you have ideas and you have things that have impressed on your heart and you have a way of seeing the world that is different from everybody else, different worldviews, different resources, different backgrounds, experience, skills. Um, nobody is the same and you know, nobody can do what I do just like I can't do what others can do. Um, and so if, if I could just, especially during this time where things are uncertain and we don't really know what is going to come out of this, just being resourceful and agile and thinking through what do I have? What can I bring to the table? If this is something that's exciting, you know, what can I bring that other people aren't bringing right now? Because sometimes I, I get caught up in like everything that can be done has been done and everything like everybody else already has ideas and I can't, you know, and to not get caught up in that and that you can bring something new, like even thinking price our cost, I'm sure that somebody at some point has sold for double what they paid for it. I'm sure that is not something that I made up on my own. Um, but it's just being okay with like, Hey, I have this idea and I'm not really seeing anybody utilizing it. So like even just being creative in the space of like, what if, what if the cost of my items was based on my cost versus what the market value is? Like even just being like my, Full of how are people currently buying? How are people currently selling? And how can I tweak that to be a little bit interesting? Because um, I think that there's a million other ways that you could do that exact same thing for your own business, you know? I so, love it. Love, love, yeah. love. Woo. <laughs> well, that is a great way to leave things. Kristen, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. And uh, we wish you all the best. We're both super excited to connect with you in the future. And um, just thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love podcasts. This is the best. <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. We will be live tomorrow. So this is exciting. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. All right, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kristen. Bye. Bye. Bye.